Good morning and uh, welcome to today's off-season and a very good morning to all our listeners and travelling guests across the Resonate Broadcast Network on 4SB Kingaroy, 4VL Charleville, 4ZR in Roma, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4GC Charters Towers, Hot Country Network and we're booming out of the studios of 4LG Longridge. Good morning, Nick Backstrom. Good morning, Andrew Watts. Yes, Andrew Watts is in the chair and uh, Scott Parkinson, he's been MIA but he's back bigger than ever. How are you, mate? I had my own off-season, yeah, good to be back. Welcome, everyone. Boys, um, let's turn our attention to the Super Rugby and the uh, the new Super Rugby Australian season and the draw we saw on Friday night, Scott. Well, I just, I'm just i going to put this out there. Isn't it great to see Australian rugby sides winning? That's probably <laughs> the best thing about this new season. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Reds have had a few, um, had a victory and a draw, so they're going pretty well. But I think it's just, I think we're starting to get to know our Australian rugby players better mm, because they're actually in a, in a competitive environment as opposed to getting flogged by 40-50 <laughs> to a New Zealand side. So I think Australians are starting to get behind it. I think it still needs to be on free-to-air to really maximise that growth. But um, I think it's great that rugby's on. They could have easily just canned the whole thing. And Nick, are you uh, comfortable sitting on a draw? Oh, look, I am. I've got no trouble with draws. I mean, there's people carry on with it somehow an invalid sort of result, mm. uh, whether whatever code they're in. Because that's what the game was. And it was an up-and-down game. One team's ahead, the other team's ahead. And they ended on a draw. Fine by me. Speaking to our first guest this morning, uh, the great Peter Fitzsimons. What an absolute legend. Uh, Peter, obviously a former Wallaby um, and just a great journalistic career. Um, Someone who's got very strong opinions, much like ourselves here. (laughs) And um, I thought he's provided some fascinating insight into the state of Australian rugby and what they can do moving forward. Uh, Nick, the racing zones are down and we'll be back to cover all of yesterday's results from Home Hill-esque the grass track in the outback, Barcaldon, and also Thangould. Yes, I have every confidence in yourself and uh, the godfather to uh, give a good, comprehensive review of the racing. And a uh, friend of the show, Jamie Soud, back as he is always to talk all things NRL. Jeez, I've missed Jamie Soud. <laughs> Gives a great guy. Gives up a lot of his time for our network. Great bloke. And it's really interesting to hear his thoughts about this whole David Feeder situation and what he would do in the same same. Class. Well, we're going we're gonna to weigh in on that later ourselves. Sit back, gather round. This is the off-season. Back with this morning's off-season and a very good morning to all our listeners and travellers across Western Queensland. Andrew Watts with you in the chair here this morning. Nick Backstrom and Scott Parkinson have stepped into the studio. How good uh, that we've got uh, tourists. The borders are open and we're starting to see the flow. Oh, it's amazing and people are actually travelling. So the Queensland border obviously opened on Friday, so things are looking good. But better than that, better than that, rugby's back on the airwaves. Mate, I've never been... I've been this happy for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to you blokes babble on about rugby league. Uh, it's, good to have, it's good to have a real sport to talk about. Now, we do have a very special guest this morning. Uh, played for the Wallabies, champion second rower. Uh, since then, got a popular historian, writes journalism, and uh, hobbies include getting up the nose of rugby league supporters. It's Peter Fitzsimons. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. So, Peter, we talked about it before. The... Rugby in Australia kicked off last weekend. We had some good results as a Queenslander. It was good to see the, uh, the, the Reds get up. Mate, what are your thoughts about the, the Super Rugby competition? It's good seeing Australia win for a change in the Super Rugby well, fixtures. Not, not, not untypically, you blokes out in Western Queensland are about a week or two ahead of me. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I must say with the rugby, like I've sort of I tuned out. I have tuned out and I haven't quite tuned back in. I sort of follow the politics of it all and I'm sort of, I, I, I tell you my most interesting thing with rugby lately, since the collapse of rugby, I, 
I've uh, written quite a few things and done quite a few interviews, particularly in New Zealand. And about three or four weeks ago, I said, look, when they bring rugby back, and you know, we can, if we can make enough money to get everything started again, we Australian, we in Australian rugby, we've got to do it like the AFL does. We've got to put the major money to the base of the pyramid, not the tip, the the, tip, the the sharp end of the pyramid. Because what they do in AFL, they put all their money into development, and they they make the game go wider. And they clearly, in Victoria, God knows, they put something in the water. They make them all go gaga. They can't think straight without watching AFL every weekend. <laughs> and in in a rugby union, when since money flowed into it from turning professional onwards, you know we we put all the money into the professional leagues and starved the amateur ranks. And for me, so I said that when we do come back, we've got to do it like them, and we can forget about winning the 2023 World Cup, and we can forget about the 27 World Cup, blah blah blah. And I put the phone down, and the phone rang, and it was Andy Hayden, the famous all-black captain, second row from the 70s and early 80s, I played against very briefly. And he said, you're out of your mind. You need to understand that in Australia, your junior team, your under-21 team, is the finest team in the world. If you had to pick one team to dominate the world in the during the 2020s, it's the Australians. And I thought that was very interesting. So, you know, he's a guy that follows it very closely, much more closely than I do. And we do have talent coming through the ranks. But we do also need we need the game to go wider. I mean, since since uh, I mean AFL, I don't know how it's going in Western Queensland, but since AFL, everywhere I look, I can see Aussie, Aussie rules posts, and I can you now the, the the form and nurseries of rugby union in Australia, which was the you know the GPS schools and the associated schools that had you know five or six teams at every age group, they're down to two or three teams at every age group. If that, and they're not. It, the game's not nearly so widespread as it used to be. Now, Peter, this is Nick. You said you follow the politics of rugby. Um, what do you make of the last, you know, the last ten years of rugby Australia? Where's it gone wrong? Jesus, where do you start? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, haven't got, was, we haven't got a half hour, but give us a process. <laughs> well, I was a critic of the captains. You know, all those captains wrote that letter. They're all mates of mine. One of them is one of my best mates, Nick Far Jones, and, and he and I, not for the first time. Uh, see things differently there. I mean, the point that was made to me by another Australian captain is why would you why would you break down the back door when the front door was open? Mm. Um, but clearly there were problems with Australian rugby, and clearly, as I said, there was way too much money being point being spent at the top end. And see, I mean, a while back I think they had five or six people in the media department of rugby union, and there was one guy who came to my my place and talked to me about a few things. And I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm, you know, basically, he said, I'm the third cameraman from the left two back. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I, you know, follow the wallabies around and I, I interview them when we put it out on the internet. Now, I think it was a digital officer or something. God knows oh, what. Yeah, yeah. As you three would know, you know, you can put out a program on the smell of an oily bag. Can you not? I'm, I'm guessing you're <laughs> Basically what we run no, on, no. Peter. We've got two oily rags. <laughs> One and a half. <laughs> running on fumes and you can you know and you can put out a good show and you know simply by having the wherewithal to put stuff together but my point there is I don't know what kind of money this bloke was on but I would suspect you know 75 or 80 100k a year to fly around interview wallabies and put it out on the internet now I'm in the rugby media I follow it and I've never seen anything and if you were to interview Will Genya for example mm. Before they play France, 
I couldn't give a flying luck what he said before before a test match. I mean, uh, who who cares? I want to watch the test match afterwards. I'm sort of interested a bit, but it's not. It's not. I, and I think if you say what's gone wrong, it, it is fair. It's fair to say the whole thing became too bloated. You know, and they do have to. When, when it does come back, you have to say, we're going to put money to that which will encourage people to play rugby, to watch rugby. So we're not going to be having marketing offices and digital offices, <laughs> Christ knows what. And we need more. And probably we also say, you'd say to the, you know, the rising ranks, listen, if you can get more money from rugby league, good luck to you. We're not, mm. but, you know, we're, we're capping it at three or 400k, if that. But the days of million dollar salaries, I mean, the, the crazy one was... You know, the, the greatest player in the modern era, I reckon, has been David Pocock. And, you know, he was given a million dollars one year to sit it out. You know, yes. and that's mm. just, like, crazy, absolutely mm. crazy. You're on the off-season and we're talking to rugby expert Peter Fitzsimons. So, Peter, let's talk about your career because you went on tour with the Wallabies back in the day. Um, you went over to the European tour. Mate, what's your highlight from your rugby career? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think for me that, you know, I, I was in France when Bob Dwyer read out my name or the manager, Bob uh, Templeton, read out my name, just in case, whoever it was. But it read out my name as, you know, playing for the Wallabies in the, in the first test against France. And that was, for me, the realisation of a dream that, you know, to play for the Wallabies, even even for, you know, the brief period I was there was great. And the being able to call my father, I was telling somebody about it the other day, that, you know, from the under-12 age onwards, Dad saw every game I ever played in Australia. And and to be able to call Dad from France and to say, Dad, they picked me for the Wallabies. That, to me, was, mm. you know, I was a great... 100%. He'd been such a supporter to be able to call him. So I was picked. That was a great, great thing for me in terms of matches played. I mean, I had, I had such a fantastic time playing rugby in Italy and France. I had one year in Italy four years in France. I still go back to France with the little village I played at every year. Um, you know, I've, I've, there are two women there who are like my sisters. I am like their brother. I love them. They love me. I've built friendships, relationships with the people in that village that, you know, that will last me my life. And so they were the highlights. And the thing about actually playing rugby, I remember I said to one of the guys I played with in France one time, Philippe Laval, I said, I said to him, Qu'est-ce que tu sais pendant l'été? And he said to me, Qu'est-ce que c'est dur l'été? I said, What? He said, Jesus, summer is hard. And I said, Comment ça se fait? Well, why is it so hard? And he said, Parce que on ne peut pas jouer au rugby because we can't play rugby in the summer. And I thought, You're a strange man. You know, yeah. For me, for me, the actual picking up a ball and running into people. Um, you know, when people picked up a ball and when I could pick up a ball and run into other blokes, I quite liked it. Mm. When other blokes picked up a ball and ran at me, I didn't like it nearly so much. But what I loved about rugby was everything that went with it. You know, travelling around the world, carrying on, making friends, bit of glory here and there, you know, and it was just fantastic. The whole colour and movement, romance and chivalry and you know, bravery and whatever, you know, like all of the stories of of the rugby, I loved that. The actual playing of the game itself, I liked it and I was good at it. But it wasn't the rugby itself. It was the colour of it. And I said, now nowadays, again, Andy Hayden said to me, 
um, many years ago. He said he talked about some judge in New Zealand who, in 1932, had said the three great traditions of rugby is tossing the tossing the uh, tossing the coin before the match, shaking hands after the match, and once you're retired, standing on the sidelines. And for the rest of your life, saying it was much better in my day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think there's truth in that. But I, I want to, like these days, when you, it's such a serious exercise, and there's all these statistics of, you know, 52% retention in the third quarter, and, you know, this guy runs left and runs right. And I said to one of the guys, one of the current Wallabies, a few years ago, I said, I'm not saying, you know, when you're playing the All Blacks, and you're given the stats on the inside centre who passes left 58% of the time and steps off his right. I mean, how much <laughs> does that actually stick in your head and how much does it help? And he said, oh, you know, like it's a rough guy. And for me, that it's so inimical to the way the game's meant to be played. The game's meant to be played, pick up the ball and run with it. Mm. That's the joy of the game. When we were all kids, we played piggy in the middle. I've got the ball, you know, me and my mate have got the ball and you want it. Um, you know, you're, you're the pig squad, as I recall, weren't you? you, know, you <laughs> I still get called that on the street, Peter. <laughs> and, you, and you didn't get it. And I, that, that's the joy of the game, is running with the ball. All the stats and all the carry-on mm. that goes with it. And I must say, you know, I don't... If the Wallabies have got a problem right now, of the many problems they've got, Sarah Jones said to me once, people don't go to... Don't, don't go to watch sports, they go to watch people. For real, to really enjoy the sporting theatre, you need to know something about the people that are playing. So I suspect I'm a lot older than you, Blake, but for me, the finest sport I've seen that really gripped me was third state of origin, 91, when Wally Lewis, the ageing Wally Lewis, was captain of Queensland <laughs> up against the young bull, Mark Geyer who was oh, a yeah. second rower a lot, whatever, yeah. in, in, in rugby league from New South Wales. And Mark Geyer spent 80 minutes within half a centimetre of being sent off. And it was absolutely <laughs> gripping the because theater. we knew who the people were. And we knew, you know, you've got the ageing bull and the young bull. It's fantastic. The problem now is, at the moment, looking at the Wallabies, I don't know who those boogers are. You know, mm. I've sort of, I've lost contact, I've lost care, and I don't know the personalities of the people involved particularly, and it's going to take some time to, to get back, to really get into it again. When I see green and gold people running up against people in black, I do get interested. Beyond that, I struggle. Yeah, Peter, I couldn't agree more, mate. Now, before we let you go, I just did, uh, in the research that we do for the off-season, <laughs> I did read a former teammate of yours, Willie Offengowie, said that you're a big character, a funny guy, but you had a habit, and I think we're kindred spirits in this, but you used to get to your hotel room and just tip your bag out on the floor, and then once you were finished, you threw it all back in the bag. And I wanted to know, Peter, has that habit changed? Well, yes, because I've been married to Lisa Wilkinson, <laughs> my wife, for 28, nearly 30 years now, and I'll tell you what, she's had a positive effect on me. It's been a very long mountain to climb, but, you know, I not only don't do that anymore, I've started showering, and cleaning my teeth. Outstanding. <laughs> this, is a huge, this is a huge exclusive. Talk about your new age male. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Peter Fitzsimons, thanks very much for your contribution uh, to the off-season. And uh, no doubt we'll catch up again in the uh, coming weeks and months.
Thanks a lot. See you guys. Bye-bye. This, this is the off-season heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with this morning's off-season and a very good morning to all our listeners across Western Queensland and four country race meetings yesterday and to have a look over the results. Max Tanks joins me. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. And uh, quite a few of these for, for the first time in a long time, Max. They got a starting price beside them indicating there were people on course, including bookmakers. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a little bit different, isn't it? For so long we've been seeing that there's there's no prices there, but we're starting to see that everything's returning back to normality. Well, I got my wake up call yesterday. I realised I'm not as good a judge as I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I got my pants completely pulled down at Bar Calder. A couple of good races at Home Hill. The first meeting we'll have a look at uh, from yesterday. Get out of my nay uh, and cheeseburger was a ding dong battle all the way up the straight in race one. But uh, get out of my nay got the cash for Ian Shaw and Chelsea Jokic by half a length over cheeseburger. And as we see in these low grade. Uh, Class B longer distance races as a fair margin, four lengths away, third sweet June. Yeah, get out of my name was actually a maiden and obviously just transferred to the stable for this, uh, sorry, for this start for the first time. Um, so good effort there by Ian Shaw to be able to have that form turn around and produce a maiden to a win in, in high class. Cerulli went back to back for Jeff Dale and Platinum Peter Cullen uh, over Horora Vell for Albie Molino and Aidan Holt. In the other B, that one was over the 11.80. Yeah, this our horse is starting to put together a nice record now. Uh, that's two wins since uh, joining the Jeffrey Dale stable from Victoria. Other than that, uh, Maxie, there was no um, doubles or trebles on the jockeys or trainer side. It's something you very rarely see in a bush meeting. Yeah, just, I suppose it just goes to show just how competitive it was down there, isn't it? Um, yeah. a, a, a really good day of racing. And I think that's probably resembled across the board. You know, it wasn't favourites all day, but there was a, a fair share of favourites getting up as well. Let's go to Esk, where the headline act was uh, young up-and-coming jockey Ty Wheeler. He rode his first winner at his first race start last week, and he's backed it up with a treble uh, yesterday. Uh, winning the first for Wo- on Woohoo Girl for Tom Button. That was a quick hit-and-run mission from Tom for the sunny coast. His second winner came on Roots and Rocks uh, for his boss, John Thomas, and and then he capped it off in the last race for Duck Baker on Divine Miss Boom. Max, uh, very impressive start to a career. Yeah, six race rides now for four wins, um, it, which, you know, is, is, is incredible. So it, it's great to see another young jockey that's paving his way through, the obviously, the, the apprentice system. Um, and it's a good story for him to be able to get to, to obviously, getting to the track and it's great to see all that hard work starting to pay off now. Up to Thangould, where it was a treble for Tash Chambers. Uh, Tash rode the first on Walshy for Bob Murray, a good all-the-way win there. Backed it up in the second for Frugal for Ricky Vale. And then in the third, one, two, three for Buster Moon for Knockout Clark there, uh, defeating Mystery Element. And uh, to top it all off, she ran second on King Max in the fourth. Great day for Tash in the saddle. Yeah, she was unlucky enough to get a fourth winner as well with King Max in the fourth. Uh, I was actually talking to uh, Jimmy Baker at Barcool and he was he was very uh, keen and very excited. He thought he was in for a great chance. Uh, obviously just going down, but yeah, Tash Chambers riding in terrific form. That winner, Frugal, that's, that's one that I'm very interested in. I'm, I'm interested to see what ways that Ricky Vale goes with his preparation from here. A couple of the, these horses um, that have been up a while are looking to have uh, trained off a little bit, Maxie, and, and we're starting to see a new um, stock coming through. 
Yeah, it's, it's probably a case of fresh legs, isn't it? Um, and I goes, I know we've been, we have been racing, and we've been very fortunate that we've been able to continue racing. Uh, but it does make it hard to plan out a, a preparation with, you know, limited race meets and essentially only racing every fortnight. Um, you know, it's either a month between run or two weeks between runs in a lot of a lot of instances, and just it does make it hard to plan out a preparation. Now I have four headlines for Bark Allen yesterday. Jagrap, the first win after being third up yesterday for some three years. Kaka Kenny, after a long break, went back-to-back winning the Open 1200. Belonte goes five out of six, winning the Open 1600. And Wicked Express with the grandstand and Mickey... Uh, Michael Matthew Gray, sorry, 65 and a half kilos, winning the last very impressively, it's got to be said, Max. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought Wicked Express was one of the wins of the day, just the, the ability to lift that horse up with 65 and a half kilos, um, seven kilo weight swing on Hale's Tari. Uh, it was a big speed battle as well, so it was a great effort to jump in, but you can't go past Belante. Um, Matty Gray was arrogant, looking over his shoulder um, at the 100 metre mark and saw that there was no one that was going to be able to catch him and I thought that was a great win and I suppose you could just go back to Kaka Kenny as well you know I think it was a really good card about Gordon with a lot of really good stories and uh, looking ahead to the week coming up when my screen refreshes refreshes yes there we go we've got Atherton this weekend up in the far north uh, Isa for the northwest region and Roma as well three meetings with Roma Maxi TAB again this week yeah, Roma was a tab meeting this weekend. Um, so I suppose that's another great opportunity for us uh, all out here to be able to put some more bets on before crowds open up in Longreach in two weeks' time. Max, thanks, thanks very much for your time this morning. No worries, thanks for having me. This is the off-season. Heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with this morning's off-season and NRL results from round nine thus far. Back to Thursday night. The Sydney Roosters, sorry, 42 over the North Queensland Cowboys, 16. The Titans back in the winner's circle, 16 points to 12 over the Warriors. Three games yesterday, uh, sorry, the second game Friday night. I'm having a shock already here. South Sydney Rabbitohs, 18 over the Tigers, 10. Three games on Saturday. Let's start here. Penrith Panthers, 56 over the uh, Sharks, 24. Brisbane Broncos, 26, defeated the Bulldogs, 8. And in uh, the game of the round last night, the Melbourne Storm, 20. Over the Canberra Raiders, 14. Andrew Watts in the chair here with us this morning. Scott Parkinson back from holidays. Yeah, back. Are you okay, Watts? Oh, I'm a bit jittery. That was the Broncos' victory last night. And uh, as always, uh, NRL legend and from the Sweet and Sour podcast, Jamie Soward uh, joins us for the big takes so far this week. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, boys. It's, uh, I know it's a, a bit of a sigh of relief because two Queensland teams won in the same weekend, but I don't think it'll last. No, mate. Um, so far from this weekend, what's your big takes? Uh, I think there's two competitions going on. There's one for 11 teams to fight to try and make the finals, uh, the bottom sort of three spots, and then there's five teams that are just better than everyone else and playing at such an elite level that um, you'd like to see them play every week for the, for the next 10 weeks because you know, what we're seeing from the, the Titans and Warriors, we understand they're having their troubles, but Broncos-Bulldogs, that was hard to watch, um, if I'm being totally honest. The Sharks are just not there. This year, they've, they're sort of a bit of a, a myth in terms of what they've been able to produce going forward. So um, I'm looking at two different competitions. Jamie, let's look at that Broncos result. So the Broncos have just been smashed from pillar to post, and rightly so, for their performances on the field. 
just their, I guess, questionable decisions with player management, you know, the board, all that sort of stuff. This win over the Bulldogs, even though it was a pretty, you know, grubby one, let's say that, does it do anything for the club? Does it release any of that pressure? Uh, no. No, not really. If you have a look at... I mean, I, I do the power rankings every week, boys, and the Bulldogs, you have a look at their effort. If you go back and watch both games side by side, both teams played the last six weeks, the effort's there for the Bulldogs. They yeah. just don't have the cattle at the moment. You know, they they don't have the cattle to be able to, to stay up for long periods of time and yeah, you know, Luke Thompson's been a welcome addition. I thought he looked really good in his first game, so he's going to be someone they can build around. But they just haven't got the cattle. They need a little bit of an overhaul with their attack and all that kind of stuff, right? The, the Broncos last night bashed the Bulldogs, and, and Tavita Pango Jr. looked like a big bully. But we don't need to see it against the Bulldogs. Yeah. That's the team you should beat by 30 points, if you, if you fair income looking at the rosters. We need to see it the next couple of weeks when you play the Roosters, when you play the big boys of the competition. If you, if you want to release the pressure valve, you have to do it against the top team. Doing it against a team that's just as bad as you doesn't do anything for me. Let's go back to the Friday night game, the Rabbits over the Tigers. Uh, the Rabbits, they scrapped their way to victory again, but there's still something there, Jamie, that uh, gives you the impression that they're, they're at home in the eight. Yeah, well, I guess it's no. I mean, there's, you watch South Sydney play and you think, Cook, Walker, Reynolds, Mitchell, and then you watch their attack, and you're really not sure how they're going to score points at times. If that makes sense, like mm. they don't really. Um, I thought the other night their game plan didn't adapt quick enough to the to the conditions out there at Bank West. So I know they tried to get Latrell Mitchell involved out the back, but I'd love to see him get more touches. And, mm. and sometimes it doesn't have to be ball playing; he can just float around the middle. They can turn him back under. He's a devastating ball runner. Um, for South Sydney to go to that next level and continuously to be in the eight, you know, they need to mix up that out-the-back play and just have some guys punching back through the middle. You think about Jaden Sewer, he's been fantastic for them, probably their best player. Mm. And you have a look at James Roberts on that edge. In conditions like that, if you turn guys like that back under, like a cross-play for, for people listening and thinking, geez, James Sewer's talking rubbish, <laughs> a cross-play back through the middle to create some movement back through there with footwork, and then play off the back of that. You know, one-up, one-up football right now is so easy to read. That's why the best teams, like the Roosters, they change direction, and then all of a sudden they come back with a shape. Jamie, one side I think is doing it against all teams, and we talk about some of those better sides that sometimes don't rise to beat the lesser opposition. The Penrith Panthers, to me, they look like a, a real shot in the arm for the NRL. I think they potentially might be their grand final day, um, how impressed have you been with their season so far? Yeah, I went out to Cogre yesterday. And my wife's a big Penrith fan, and uh, she begged and pleaded for me to take her out of the footy. And, <laughs> um, although I just sit there, boys, because I don't cheer for any team. You know, she's cheering for the Panthers, and I just sit there. I, I cheer for rugby league now. So um, the Penrith Panthers, when they were warming up, they looked bigger, they looked faster, they looked stronger. The Cronulla Sharks way off the pace, and I'm not going to waste my time talking about them, but. The Panthers, this could be their year. And I'm not just saying that. They actually have the style to be able to cause damage. They're young. They get across the park well. They've sorted out that attack around Dylan Edwards, not playing out the back to him. They just play him over the ball, over the ruck. And then all of a sudden, it, the opportunities come out the back because he's gone through the defensive line first. So I loved what I saw from Penrith yesterday. 80 points in 80 minutes. Some people will say, yeah, not great, but... When you're there and you haven't watched footy live for a long time, 
Um, 80 points for me was fantastic. I had a couple of tinnies, and then I went to work. It was outstanding. And you did. That's a good segue into the game you called last night, the Canberra Raiders v. the Melbourne Storm. The Storm getting the job done, and the Raiders slip, slip, slipping down to the bottom of the eight. Yeah, I only had one tinny. Uh, two tinnies was going to be over my limit. But, uh, <laughs> look, it, it probably wasn't the, the game that we all thought it would be in that first half. A lot of drop ball, a lot of errors. Um, some just uncharacteristic stuff from the Canberra Raiders. And it all, you know, capitulated when Josh Hodgson goes down. I mean, that's that's their season over, as far as I'm concerned, for the Raiders. They they cannot win a, a competition without their best player in Josh Hodgson. So it's sad for them. But the Melbourne Storm, what a performance. You know, they, they weren't at their best, but they've beaten last year's grand finals in two weeks without Cameron Munster. Um, in their side, so they've shown that they've got a real steel to be able to get things done, which we knew they did already but if you have a look at the Melbourne Storm it wouldn't surprise me if they got themselves into a prelim final um, you know, and they may have to play at the Sunshine Coast but they mm. talk about a team that adapts to any situation, the Melbourne Storm have done it again and uh, it wasn't probably as good a game as what I thought it would be, but it certainly had enough highlights in it to, to know that it's probably been the game of the round so far Hey, one interesting story that's off the field is the situation with David Fafita. Will he stay at the Broncos? Will he go to the Gold Coast Titans? Now, I'm sure in your career, mate, you probably got to a, part, a, a crossroad where you had to choose whether to stay or go. Mate, what do you do in the situation? Do you take the money offered at the Gold Coast or do you stay with a club that you've been with um, that you've kind of developed, you, you've playing through? Yeah, Park, you haven't obviously read my Wikipedia. I got sacked from three clubs, mate. I begged them to stay. <laughs> I... I I, I honestly wanted to pay for a pie and a coke. Um, <laughs> look, I think I said to my wife, if you have a look, if you sat down, right, the Gold Coast Titans, um, I, I understand where they're at and they're still developing and stuff like that. But one point two five million, if that's the correct, that is a lot of bread. Correct. Mm. That is a lot a of bread for a twenty-year-old who's off who's off contract in five years now. Mm. Mate, uh, talking about off the field, where's the big show heading this week in Dear Diary? Yeah, big show. Uh, look, he missed last week, so he had to pre-record, which wasn't wasn't great uh, for his mental state. He's had the kids all week for school holidays, so I dare say that there'll be something around the kids and how much they've uh, been taking away his time to shine. Uh, because I haven't heard much from him, so. Uh, but yeah, we, we'll uh, we'll get that out. We'll try and get it out Monday nights. Uh, the podcast we've got moving the chains, but the short and soured one, boys. I'm telling you, all the fan questions up there. If you've got for feeder questions, all that kind of stuff. I'm doing one Monday morning. So I try and give that before nine o'clock. Hashtag short and sour on my Instagram, sour official or sour official uh, six on Twitter. Hashtag short and sour. I'll answer all your questions in 15 minutes. It's a nice little bite-sized podcast. Thanks to uh, my friends at topsport.com.au. And uh, great uh, odds boost there at topsport.com.au. Jamie Sound, thanks very much for your time this morning. <laughs> thanks, boys. Cheers. Approaching 11am on this 12th day of July 2020 and um, a big thanks to all our guests today including Peter Fitzsimons, Rob Luck, Max Tanks and also Jamie Soud, Nick Backstrom and Scott Parkinson, Andrew Watts in the chair and uh, don't forget if you are travelling across our western regions please do the right thing by our small towns, dial ahead, uh, make your bookings whether it be at restaurants or our great tourist venues or even accommodation and um, Follow safe distancing and also uh, hygiene. Scott, it's time for the Raid of Origin. Oh, the Raid of Origin is back, and Jesus <laughs> back in a big way. Now, 
loyalty is a word that gets thrown around a lot, particularly in sport. There's a situation emerging at the moment, and and by the time we go on air, it might happen while we're on air. Uh, David Finner might have chosen where he's going to sign. Flip-flop between the Titans for the biggest contract in rugby league, over $1.2 million, or to stay with the Broncos. Now, I want to put it out to you guys. If you're in David Finner's position, do you stay with the club that's Kind of nurtured you from a 16-year-old. Bailed you out of jail. Bailed you out of jail. Done your rehab. Obviously, he's been injured. So, put a lot of time into rehab. You know, all these sort of things. Or do you chase that huge... And it's huge money. He will yep. be the richest player in the NRL at 20 years and old. And for doing... For have done nothing, Nick. Yeah, it's a good question. No, Nick's done I don't know why you threw to me so quickly when you said done nothing. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, it's Harsh a good question. Good because... The money nowadays is ridiculous. And, yeah, rugby league doesn't have a lot of it. And, 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 yeah, the Titans are in all sorts of trouble, yet they're willing to throw this sort of money around, and that's a whole separate issue. They're all on JobKeeper. As a a young player, and you know your time is limited. Like, the number of players with talent who work their proverbials off doesn't mean you're going to get to the test team, doesn't mean you're going to get into a good club, doesn't mean you're going to have a long career. Mm. I'd be very tempted, just on very practical terms, uh, particularly ones who've got young families, go mm. grab the money while you can get it. Ask me this question in the 90s to the 2000s to nowadays. My answer's probably different every time. But mm. now, uh, loyalty's dead in yes. sport. Absolutely dead. It's all about the dollar. And if he doesn't take this, he's as sillier than he looks. Um, simple as that. I mean, the kid's really done nothing in his career. He hasn't, you know, like he's he's a great talent, but he's done nothing. And look, he's got to take the money because he's, if he doesn't, he'll end up washed up like the rest of these hacks and, you know, have no money. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And, and, and if I'm in that position, I'd like to think I would stay with the loyal, stay with the loyalty. Mm. But a million, 1.2 million is a lot of money to take on board. If it's 500,000 above toad odds. If it's not the Titans... I think I'd look at it a bit more seriously. Yeah. The Titans are a basket case. I mean, you look at these mm. names. Jared Wallace, you look at... Um, oh, what's the bloke's name? Now I've forgotten his bloody Jai name. Arrow. Jamal Idris. Oh, yeah. Jared Hayne. Jai these Arrow. are all... This is the, pl- the place where careers Ash go to Taylor. die. So, yes, you're going to get paid 1.2, but you're playing for the Gold Coast Titans. Mm. Like, I think the, what he should do is just sign a short-term contract, 750000 which is, I reckon, far over what he's, what he's entitled to at the moment, for one year... Renegotiate. If you captain the Broncos, if you lead the Broncos to premiership success, you are a but legend. The thing is, Scott, you're not selling him with the Roosters or the Melbourne Storm. You're no. selling him with a lowly bottom feeding Broncos. Well, yeah, bottom feed, but the Broncos will get better. They but, will but, get better. But, but we've been saying that since the Henjack days, five, six years ago. They They're still a, they made a grand final. They are, they are a club that's going to get better, Watsy. The yeah, Gold Coast Titans, when have they been good? They've never been good. Yeah, so I know, you can but, tell but me yeah, there's, there's the argument in saying, oh, you're staying at the glorious Brisbane Broncos, pull your head out of your backside. But I'm saying there's a club... That the Broncos have history. They the have Titans history, don't. but they're living in the past. Of course, they got history. They're bloody hopeless. Well, what's the Titans' history then? What it do you doesn't matter. It's all about the money. Oh, Loyalty. disagree. Uh, well, hang on a second. If you were saying, "Oh, come and stay at the Roosters," or say it like a side that's prosperous, David Fafita will be in a wheelchair by the time the Broncos win their next premiership. So you're saying, let's put a, let's put on this now, and if we're talking to each other in five years' time. Who will win a premiership in the next five years? Who's got a better chance, the Titans or the Broncos? Neither. No, but you've got to choose one. Well, the Titans then. Oh, just to go against you. Yeah, you would. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know where the Titans are going to end up. They'll probably be on the sunny side of Western Australia. The Titans will be playing <laughs> in Western Australia by the time this goes there in five years' time. Great radio. Thanks for your time, boys. Nick, have you got anything to add? Yeah, I'm just back from the pub. Did I miss anything? <laughs> <laughs> it's me, the off-season heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend.